Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Target Transfers podcast. Andy and I are thrilled today to be joined by Dane from Great Dane Graphics. How are you today, Dane? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, We're going to talk today all about artworking. So we know that a lot of our customers out there um, either sort of have a good understanding of artworking, but it could be better. Or if you're a complete beginner, this is going to be very helpful for you. So yeah, we're just going to talk all about artworking uh, for transfers today. Yes. And we're really, really excited to have Dane. It's the first time on the podcast. Uh, Obviously, we've done some live YouTube events with Dane before doing some artworking masterclasses. But Dane is one of the preeminent artists for heat transfers, vinyl decals, director garment printing. So on the uh, Great Dane site, they've got some fantastic artworking that you can um, get tutorials for, download artworkings from. Um, but there's not many people that know much more about artwork for heat transfers and heat printing than Dane. Um, and he even had him live painting um, at the ISS show just last week as well. So it's That uh, was cool as well. That looked really yeah. fun. It was. I love that part of it. So, so just to kind of get us started, Dane. So, how did you for getting uh, being part of the the Styles Group um, and anything that you in the last sort of uh, week or so? How did you actually get started in the first place with being an artist? What was the inspiration behind your your first steps into artworking? So, um, I mean, I've I've always drawn and created artwork my whole life from, from as far back as I can ever remember. Um, and I was at high school, um, and in high school it was pretty cool because I used to get out of English and math classes to go paint the murals <laughs> and the big sign things that the football teams run through, and you know, on, on game days. And and when I figured out I could do that, I was I'm your guy. Let's do this, you know. Uh, did a few mur- murals in school in high school, and I had no idea that you can actually do artwork for a living until my art teacher mentioned it in senior year when I had no idea what the hell I was going to do with my life. Right. I was, me in school didn't get along, man. I didn't like it, hated it, got through it, did okay. in grade wise, but didn't, didn't enjoy it whatsoever. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah, been, just been doing it forever. Go to college art school actually. And, um, getting out of that or while I was there, I, I started doing some artwork for a, a local screen print shop. Uh, and then this is, this is going to going back see all my gray i've earned every <laughs> bit of it but this is going back to 86 is when i started doing separations for screen printing um and i started great Dane graphics in 1991 i think it was uh, freelance before that um so yeah it's, i've been creating artwork for the apparel decorating industry for that long i mean i can't i can't do the math <laughs> long time <laughs> Uh, so we did that forever and um, some of the guys that somebody uh, at Transfer Express actually found us at a trade show you know we're selling our artwork and training and all that sort of thing and and that sparked a relationship um, with stalls for a year or so as a working together kind of thing and and then they came to me and wanted me to be part of the team so uh, we've been a group stall company for 10 years now I think wow brilliant yeah um, and you know, when you when you were first starting out, did you do you have any kind of artistic um, inspirations that you used to kind of try and paint in a particular style, or anyone that no. particularly influenced how you your your artwork and style today? So a little bit, yeah. I mean, I was always a fantasy art guy, right? So Frank Frazetta, you know, Boris Vallejo, those were always my favorites. Still are. I mean, I get you know every book from both of them up here on the shelf above me, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, I was just an art nerd, still am, hundred mm-hmm. percent. 
right? I create artwork. If I'm not creating it, I'm reading about it. I'm looking at it. I'm studying things. I mean, all of it from the fine art to the, you know, the, the apparel decorating, everything that has to do with it. I love, I love it. So, um, yeah, probably Frazetta stuff. Yeah. You know, got into that with a, with a friend of mine who actually worked with me for years and years, Kenny Bourgeois. He, um, he recently passed away, but, uh, when I met him in high school, he was probably the best artist I knew for, wow. at the time for a long time. And he got me in, he got me into the Frazetta stuff and, uh, so yeah, I got a, just a lot of fond memories with, of him and, and the whole process. But he he worked for Great Dane for for a long time, you know, maybe mm. eight, ten years, something like that. So yeah, love it. Um, and obviously, you teach a lot of um, artworking classes today for Styles um, and at mm. lots of different events as well. Uh, do you think that you would obviously the kind of access to technology has changed quite a lot over the last even over the last couple of years, but the last sort of five, right. 10 years. Do you think that if you were sort of starting out today, do you think you'd still go down the same path? Do you think you'd go to art school? Do you think you'd find the equivalent of Great Dane and get him to teach you? Uh, yeah, I don't know that you need it, um, you know, honestly, it's especially the art part. I mean, if I'm going to be a doctor or something, it might be a good idea to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> just that was never wasn't my, my world, right? So, yeah. uh, but man, with YouTube and with with people in the industry, I mean, I teach a lot of people. I you know create training books and videos and that sort of thing. Do tons of webinars and uh, so yeah, um, you can get the thing about doing or learning from somebody like myself in the industry. Let's say right, is you're learning how to do it specifically for what we need. Uh, how to optimize files, how to create a design that makes a good T-shirt, for instance, or you know whatever it is that you're garment-wise that you're decorating. Um, that, that it's a different animal, right. From graphic design. Um, like if you want to create a logo and certain things and, and I do both. Um, but the art piece of it is, it's a, it's kind of a unique component, you know, of this whole process. So, uh, I think you can learn a lot, um, in universities are not necessarily the place to do it. And I say, I can say that I think with pretty, Cert, much certainty because I, I I can't tell you how many people when I do my live trainings in my classes how many people come up to me at the end of it and and say I've learned more in this past hour and a half than I did in a full course at my local whatever college type of thing mm -hmm. right it just I hear it constantly so one it makes me feel good at least I'm teaching them something because <laughs> I know that what I'm going to show them they need to know I mean if you're going to yeah. do this you have to know these things Otherwise, it can't happen. So um, it's very specific for our industry. So I take pride in that part of it. Yeah, I think that's good. I think I think one of the things that's been really exciting over the last couple of years, um, I know it's it's definitely true for the UK, and I, I'm pretty sure it is from speaking to the folks at Transfer Express as well, is that because the barriers to entry are so minimal now for having your own clothing brand, uh, on the brand side particular, but we've seen so many people starting over the last couple of years are like, do you know what they had a couple they had some tight downtime time to mm. kind of think about what their dreams were what they really wanted to do and they knew they had fantastic artwork and then like okay now i know how to kind of bring it to life i think people um more than ever probably i think they've seen more new br clothing brands not just i know we do a lot of fulfillment stuff but actual on the brand side of things i think it's having access to information like this the speed at which a lot of the actual software can work at now 
you're not kind of like twiddling your thumbs waiting for it to process as much <laughs> as you might have done. Yeah, you're no, kind of, those, those days are gone, right? Yeah. I remember <laughs> really, really well. I said that looked like relief on your face. It was like, that's no longer an issue I have to deal with. You know, it's funny because, you know, back in the day, we used stat cameras, right? We'd draw things and we'd bring it in a camera and we'd shoot it down on PMT paper. And then we had to put a halftone screen over certain areas and blow it up because the halftone screen, I think it was a 200 line halftone, which super mega small, you know, uh, dots. And we'd have to blow it up to get like a 32 line halftone so we could screen print it, right? So... I remember all those days with the Ruby list and the, and, and yeah, no, I don't, I didn't love them then. And I don't miss them now. <laughs> and then, well, funny thing, when we get into the computers, I spent, I think we, my first computer system was 14, 12,000, 12 or $14,000. And it didn't even have a hard drive in it. We worked off floppy disks, like three and a half inch floppies. And, but I did have a 12 inch, 12 inch color screen. though. it was a Mac at the time. So, that was kind of neat, right? Um, and then I, I think I, I used to do, uh, I, I did a, had a little mouse, like like a mouse mouse, like one of these computer mice, and had a, but it had a cord, obviously, back yeah. in the day. So just to do a little shadow underneath that thing was 20 minutes of rendering time on that computer, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, don't miss those days. <laughs> Thank God they're gone. <laughs> you can buy a $500 computer at any local, you know, retail store that will have it be able to do that stuff no sweat yeah and obviously you know if someone so thinking more from us sort of someone who's thinking of getting started they've they've been inspired to bring their dream to life what do you think that realistically if someone wanted to have forgetting the heat press parks we've obviously talked about them day and night what do you think you would really need as a setup you could i i want to design my own do i've got ideas for my own artwork which they might be doing on an iPad or mm-hmm. even on paper. What do you think someone realistically needs to get started? So uh, you, you need software one, right? You need a, a, a vector program and then a raster program mm-hmm. um, because there's, that's the only two different types of artwork that we need to know how to handle and how to control in our industry to print anything we want. Um, you know, vector programs could be Corel draw, could be uh, Adobe illustrator, um, affinity designer, uh, you know, in the raster side, the photo image editing would be, you know, Photoshop for Adobe, uh, affinity photo for, uh, you know, the affinity side, and then the Corel photo paint. And out of all those programs, I mean, there's, there's a couple of benefits from all of them. Uh, I'm not a Corel guy. Corel left me when they left in version 12, when they left the Mac platform, that's when I said, see you later. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did bring it back, but it's, it's not the same program. You know, Adobe, I can put in Photoshop on a PC and a Mac. And the only difference is the alt key and the, you know, the option key and the command key is the, you know, control key. That's it. Everything else looks the same, works the same, but it doesn't work that way in Corel. So I don't, I don't use them. I don't anymore. Nothing wrong with them. If that's what you use, you you can definitely do the art, but uh, um, the Adobe products, I mean, I'm paying used to be $53. I, just looked at my bill. I think it's like 60 bucks now a month for every seat that you have. You know, if you got multiple artists on staff, that becomes a bear. Um, Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer, they're 70 bucks a piece. They're one-time payment. You don't have to, no subscriptions. It's like pay 70 bucks. Actually, don't pay 70 bucks because they're always putting them on sale. Always. <laughs> so you can catch them on a sale. If, it, if it's not on sale this week, just wait a couple of weeks because they, they discount them and they're great. They're solid. 
you know, they got a couple of weaknesses, you know, maybe, but um, they're not, a, you know, but like, for instance, the affinity photo is, it's what for what for almost what for what I should say, because there's a couple of just things that I don't understand that they didn't put in there, but um, it's rock solid software for 70 mm -hmm. or less, right? Maybe 30 bucks off of that, 20 bucks off of that, seven US dollars, right? Um, and it's rock solid program. You can do anything you want. The things, the weaknesses on that program on the affinity side, the photo is there's no enveloping tool, right? So if you're a Corel user and you want to arch the type and that sort of thing, that's all built in there. Illustrator has it. Photoshop has it. Uh, affinity photo does not, not a big deal uh, because Missy and I, who's my art director, we, we look at things. Um, we look at that and there's a warp tool, right? So I can set some type and I can just hit the warp tool. When you do that, it's no longer live. So that's a kind of a, kind of a downer, right? You have to duplicate the layer, but it's just text now, but I can arch it with, with a warp panel, right? So I can grab the nodes and move it and manipulate it like I want. So it works. I can get the same look. It just takes me a couple minutes longer. So it's not the end of the world, right? It's not a big deal. Uh, the biggest deal to me that I think that I don't understand, they, they have it so much like Photoshop, which is an awesome thing. So if you don't have either one and you want to get one, get this program because it's one shot deal payment wise. Um, but they don't have a paths palette. So if I wanted to take my coffee mug and cut a path around it, I can't save it. Right? What? Yeah. It's, they call them curves and they're on its own layer. And if I wanted to make a selection of that curve, right, just to maybe I want to make a selection and paint inside of that selection, well, then my curve disappears. Doesn't save it. So I have to cut the path again. So... I mean, there's workarounds. You can duplicate that layer, that you know, that curve layer, and and all this craziness. But that is about the only negatives I can come up with that program because it's rock solid. Doesn't crash on me. Photoshop 2021 crashes every time I try to export it. Quick PNG because they change things <laughs> all the time. And I'm just gonna, say, I'm gonna get, I'm on, I'm on my rant here, right? So I gotta say one thing. So <laughs> I'm sure lots of people feel very hard right now. now. I've been using Photoshop since version two. Not CS2, but version 2. I think it was 1992 or 93 is when I started. They didn't even have layers back in those days. So I've been a Photoshop guy forever, right? Teach it, use it every day. Well, since they become had this subscription-based thing where you have to pay for it every month and it, you know, that just gets a lot of people, uh, you know, not, they're not happy with it, right? I'm not. I, I'll tell you what, 60 bucks a month for it, just not happy about paying it. But what gets me is I think this is how I look at it. They have to do stuff to the code that you use every day just to justify their their reason for charging you every month. They don't make it better half the time. They make it worse. So they will move stuff around that I've been working with for 20 years, you know, scaling things. Now I used to hold my shift key to keep it proportionally for 100 years, right? Whatever. It's been fine. Well, now I don't have to hold my shift key. So it'll squish it and make all kind of wonkiness. Uh, if I do hold my shift key. So it's just those little bitty things that disrupt the way that you've been using it forever, but there's no benefit to it. It just moves stuff around. So mm -hmm. I think they try to justify their payment that they're getting out of you for, <laughs> uh, just by moving stuff around. And that, you know, so that's a big, that's one of my pet peeves with them. But yeah. the software, I would recommend this too, by the way. So I mean, you see this here, right? This is just a little wake them into us pen tablet thing. So, okay. If you don't have an Apple iPad Pro, which I do, which I love, um, 
this is great. This was 70 bucks on Amazon, maybe. Um, but it's a it's a cordless pen and it allows you to do artwork like just drawing on this tablet, which is much better than trying to create anything with this brick, right? Because mm -hmm. this is not artwork friendly at all. So um, I would recommend spending a little bit money on this and then um, you're good to go. But you do need vector program and image editor. And I, I would say, yeah, I get one of those. So, yeah. So, but realistically, it's, it's really it, the barriers to entry for that again is just a low, aren't it's they? Not, yes, it's it's so. If you go with the affinity route, you pay it one time. It's one hundred and forty bucks, you know, for the both programs, um, and this is seventy bucks. That could be your full on payment for your first year or two. So, because yeah. even even with the affinity photo, you get free upgrades, right, for a while, and then if it's a big change, like they went from one point. One to one point, you know, two five to five to all those were were free. They just automatically updated. Uh, and when it went to Affinity version two, which they have now, which is pretty good, um, is you know it, you have to pay for that one. But again, you you don't have to. I mean, you can stay where you are and, and keep using it. So if you want to get started, it's especially with transfers side, like it's so it's so inexpensive. Let somebody else buy all the expensive equipment, and you just create the artwork and what I think is a really reasonable scenario. You know, there's free software out there. I don't fool with any of that stuff. I don't want to download or work on a program that's out there for free and the whole world can use it and change things and add to it. I just, a couple of things, I don't, I don't feel comfortable having that on my computer, right? I don't know if there's any hidden whatever's in there. I don't need it waking up one day and, you know, locking me out of my system or whatever. I don't go there. Yeah. Um, never heard of that happening, but, you know, Call me evil or conspiracy theorist. It's probably out there. So just saying. <laughs> but I think that. But I think that's really great because it, it basically means so. Let's say 600, 600 quid. You could have your software set up essentially for everything for at least for like two, three years. That would, you'd be good for. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. you could spend, say, let's say eight hundred, nine hundred pounds on a heat press, and that's it. You've got your whole. Business. Your whole, bu yes, your right whole business for that, right? And it, it's just a, it's a great way to get going, and continue yeah. obviously once you do it. But yeah, startup it's costs cool. are minimal. Exactly. So it's it's really a great way to get started. At, and that's why I think that it's it's really encouraging for people who are who are listening that are thinking about starting. But I think even for people that who are like actually, you know, some thinking about actually, I need to grow the business this year. It's not even that expensive to keep adding more functionality into their business if maybe if they want to do more artworking or they want to add another person in it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be an absolute fortune to just that sick that say that thousand pound to two thousand pound investment is going to easily pay for itself in quite a small amount of time absolutely a lot of our customers find that you know we always say that you there's here's a way one way of paying it off in a year but realistically, you know, always look to the warranties and then use that as your payoff period. So uh, with the a lot of the Hotronics presses, it's five years on the framework. So actually spread that £1,000, £1,200 over five years. And it kind of works out as like, it's almost like a pound a day to run. Yeah. Essentially, it's, it's, no, it's nothing really. Right. You, about, you could be printing 100, 200, 300 T-shirts. Right. Um, and it and it's all it's all profit. Um, well, it might be that pound a day and that might be your payoff period. Right. But yep. that's five years. It'll last 10 years or more. Right. Yep. So 
it, you know, it's not that you have to at that point, you know, start spending more money. It's just done at that point, right? It's all profit, right? So yeah. I got a, my, I have two heat presses that I got when I came on board with stalls. They're both ten years old. We're yeah. fine. So. Yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got. Yeah, we've got some out the back that we just can't justify replacing or throwing away because they just they won't stop working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> think, exactly. I think some of them are, are as old as me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Probably. I'd love to know if that was actually true. <laughs> so what, some of the things we wanted to cover today is um, in slightly sort of more relaxed setting of the podcast is um, some of the things that people get wrong, either from uh, an existing person that's, you know, they might just have the best of intentions with their artworking, but there's common mistakes, even the best of people uh, make or they don't quite understand the art workings um, as much as possible or uh, and also for those that are kind of starting out what are the kind of common mistakes that people make and things to look out for so just we'll go we'll kind of start with those starting out but could you just kind of even from the basic angle you kind of talk you kind of touch upon vectors and rasters but what does what is the real difference between them and what what does that it kind of mean in layman's terms to people someone who's never printed a heat transfer before never applied a heat sure. transfer before, should I say. so actually this would probably be a good time for me to share my screen if you um yeah go for it, it share screen anyone that's um listening on spotify apple now would be a good time to switch over to youtube so because uh, dane's going to show us some really uh, great behind the scenes tips and tricks here all right so what i'm going to do first is that we're going to talk about the differences between vector artwork and raster artwork right so uh before, when I mentioned the software, you needed a vector program and an image editor, right? A raster program um, that would be, in this instance, Adobe Illustrator or Adobe Photoshop, and then Affinity Photo or Affinity Designer. But for now, I'm just going to show it in Illustrator. So I open up this file, um, and it, it looks like that. So what I can do, if I go to View Window, go to um, Outline, which is Command or Control-Y there, right? Shows me my uh, my nodes, I mean, my uh, my artwork, my outline. So if I click on it, that's a node um, that you see here, these little squares, right? So from this node to this node has a curve, right? So, and the cool thing about a vector program is it allows you to scale infinitely. So knowing that, like for instance, I'm gonna grab this, my uh, pen tool here, I'm just gonna make it fill with none and I'll stroke it with black here, right? So if I create a node, there's one node, right? And I, and I can move it this way and click and just let my mouse go and it in between those two nodes, I have a straight line. Well, if I come out here and I click and hold my mouse down and pull a Bezier handle out, that's what these little things here are called. It allows it to take shape and create any shape I want. So once I do that now, you know, this is infinitely scalable. So it's probably, you know, a couple of inches, maybe, a, you know, an inch or two right here. Uh, that's actually four inches. So actually, let's zoom it in here. You can see that little box there. So it's three and a half inches or so. I can scale that up the size of a building and it will just recalculate. And the reason it does is because it knows between this line and this, uh, this node and this node is a straight line. And whether, no matter how far apart it it is, it's just going to recalculate and say, this is a straight line and put it there. And between this node and this one, it's going to know it has a curve and how that curve is made. And it's just going to recalculate the math and then throw it up there. So, Vector is really good for, for that. So you can create a small little logo and blow it up full size, left chest, hats, whatever. Um, I, think, 
that's a really good point. So for anyone that's, um, especially for our one to five color screen printed heat transfers, which is a traditional transfer process is um, one of the places where people often get stuck or they sometimes can get a bit frustrated because we'll ask them for vectored artwork sometimes. But it's really, that's what Dane's pointing out is really important. The fact that it's scalable to any size. So it mean, that basically means if you give us the vec artwork vectored, we can make, we can guarantee that your artwork's going to end up looking perfect when it comes back to you as a heat transfer. Right. So again, you can scale it and just going to recalculate and, and, and go with it. Scaling it down is easy. Vector artwork, scaling it up is just as easy. Uh, yeah. Not so with, with raster art, right? So this is just done here in, um, in illustrator. Let's go ahead and, uh, what happened to my Photoshop is not open here. Sorry. I tabbed through that way. We'll open in Photoshop 2023. I haven't been having issues with 21. So, uh, like saving files tend to close and crash. <laughs> Go figure. Cause if they have to rush it up and give us something to, to look at that's they think is new because it charges every month. Right. Sorry. I get off that. All right. So this is the same image, right? But there is no, you outlines right because there's no outlines on this thing if you look at my layers it's one layer with the artwork mm -hmm. so it's all painted all created now this artwork in particular kind of, is kind of flat right it doesn't look flat necessarily because it has a lot of different shades of oranges and reds and these grays here we got you know we can get five grays involved here that one little backboard so it's not flat looking but it's created with flat color now this could be created in illustrator but a um, couple things. One, I don't recommend it. Or if you do create it that way, what I would recommend you doing is sending it is rasterizing it at the end because there's a there would be a lot of overlaps and paste insides and all that sort of thing. When you nest all those things together, it the memory for that raster file that vector file is uh, grows and it gets really complicated. And a lot I've seen way too many times where that like taking my Illustrator file and trying to print it to it any printers. Um, in particular, none in particular, but any printers, it'll could cause some issues. So you rasterize it, send it as a PNG, full color graphics like this. That's what I would recommend doing. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so, but give it some interest, right? So on the vector side, one of the things that a lot of people will do is they create artwork or someone gives them artwork and they print it and it's just laying there, lays dead, right? And it does it because you know, DTG printers, you know, a lot of, a lot of these other printers, even the DTF printers, they're printing in, um, you know, digital color, right? So if they use a flat vector artwork, they're printing a CMYK and depending on the colors, it has some pop, but a lot of times they don't, especially DTG, like direct to the shirt. Um, and one of the biggest complaints I hear is they'll say, man, when we print your artwork, this is one of my great Dane designs, by the way, they say it looks so good. And then when we print ours, it, it just lays there. Uh, and I've had, uh, again, if it hasn't happened one time, I mean, a thousand times it has happened once. Uh, and they'll come up to me after the class and they show it to me on their phone. Look, yours printed great and got a sample and it looked either showing it to me on a picture of it on the phone or have two samples side by side. And they say, what is the difference? And, and it's really amazing because they don't see the difference in the art style. So most of my artwork is full color, full blown illustrations. Mm -hmm. And then theirs is just a two-color flat vector design. I'm sitting there thinking, those two, you know, I remember when I was a kid, it was, you know, something called Sesame Street over here. 
And I said, which one doesn't look like the other? <laughs> it should have been pretty easy to tell that they're done differently. That's why yours, you know, theirs didn't didn't have any oomph to it, right? So you just got to create the artwork different. And if I can say one thing as far as making, growing your business and being better than anybody else or the competitors down the street or whatever is doesn't cost you anything more to create the artwork different. And if you create the artwork differently and spend a little bit more effort on it, like you see here, kind of, um, then the guy down the street may not do it, right? So he might just put that two, three flat color in there. Uh, and then this is one way for your designs, your brands, your look to rise above everybody else, right? So that's, it's just a, doesn't cost anything more to create different art. Uh, no. Same process, same cost in the, in the production of that process, you know, uh, no matter what kind of process you're doing, but. So um, what I'd like to show now is the raster stuff, right? As far as how to create, how to set up a file. So if I go to file menu, come down to new, I'll get this window in um, in Photoshop. And this stuff right here on the right-hand side, this is the important things, right? So if you set up the numbers and the process correctly right here, then you can print anything you want uh, in our industry, right? Any garments, any, you know, whatever, transfers, directed garments, screen printing things, what it makes no difference. Um, so I'm going to set mine at 14 by 14 and I use inches here. You can obviously use uh, centimeters, whatever you want as your unit. Uh, my resolution is 300, right? That is a 300 pixels per inch. That is yeah. high resolution. I can print this, uh, on anything in our industry. No problem. Everything that I create, I create an RGB color. Um, always, even though I'm printing to a CMYK printer, I'm going to create an RGB color. And because that RIP software or the printing process is going to take that RGB PNG file and it's going to interpolate the colors and it's going to print me more accurate colors from that than if I would have sent a CMYK TIFF, for instance. So mm -hmm. um, I always use a transparent background uh, when I create my artwork. So make sure you do that. If not, then you have to learn how to pull that artwork off that back off the flattened background um, in order to get it done properly. So in my color profile is always Adobe RGB 1998, always. Um, I get richer blacks that way. I get more vibrant colors, um, and it it just it, it works well for me. So um, yeah, we see and... a lot of people do um, white boxes, don't we? We get a lot of designs through with that aren't transparent, and then we have to go back and forth and, and sort of ask people for if, them. So that's a good tip. It's a big thing. So if they create their own artwork, all you got to do is choose the transparent background, right? If a customer gives it to you. Eh, then you're gonna need some skills, and maybe we do that in another webinar. But I'll show how to pull that off. But it's a it's skill set that you have to learn because not a if it's a ve flat vector artwork, hard edge is not so hard. Um, but if it's faded edges or anything, it's it's a little bit more difficult to pull off that background. So it's a huge thing. This is big time. Uh, the transparency. You, you hit create, and I'll get this. Uh, anytime you see gray and white checkers, that means it's transparent pixels, right? So. Um, Let's go ahead and open a photo affinity photo because I mean I, I'm a big fan of this program and I think what I'm gonna do is one of these days here soon really soon I'm gonna devote like a a month and I'm just gonna do affinity only and not use Photoshop at all. I use Photoshop every day. Uh, I know this program fairly well because it's so Photoshop like, uh, but it's um anyway I'm just gonna try to get myself a little better on it. So uh, here's these three tabs right so. 
it used to be if you have an older version of photo of affinity like version even the last the very last one with like 1.5 or something the windows was set up exactly the same as photoshop and all all the way over on the right hand side here it had all the same things well now they just put them in three different tabs here so you go to the layout tab and i'm gonna do 14 by 14 inches right and 300 dpi that gives me my high resolution um, now I got to click on this color tab here and I just have to choose my RGB, right? Um, if you're going to choose CNYK, that, that's on you. Your colors, mm -hmm. you know, lay there. I didn't tell you to do it that way. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to use RGB and I'm going to use Adobe RGB 1998 again. And right here in, in Affinity Photo is this little checkbox that gives me my transparency, right? So it's not a drop down in that instance. It's the only difference. And now I'm going to hit create. And then there's my gray and white checkers. So my i'm ready to create anything i want i can uh, i happen to be on a cintiq wacom cintiq right so i can start painting right on the glass um i can use my wacom tablet if you want um just you're ready to go because that is enough resolution to print anything we want in our industry no problem yep. um and for anyone that's already used um the easy view system in the uk if if you haven't saved it 300 dpi it will always warn you but it's always best to do this. This is best practice because any transfer print is going to demand that you have it at 300 DPI. Our system will show as a red flag and flag up and say, this is not good enough quality. Do you want to come back and do it? Um, but much like the white box, the kind of, is it, if anything, it's just going to delay your whole turnaround process by not starting off correctly. It could add a day or so on to things. Um, and turn time is everything for your customers. So making sure that you set up things correctly at the beginning means you can just breeze through the whole transfer ordering and then the application process a lot quicker that way. Right. And and if they're creating the artwork, no matter the decorating technique, right? So, I mean, if they, the transfer is for sure, it's going to be a delay, but you, they can if they do it right, then you can separate it for screen printing or do whatever else you want. So, and as long as you create your artwork originally, you always keep it and you're, you're good to go. Um, yeah. Revisit it, change the date, get some more transfers made, whatever it is that you, uh, you know, next year kind of thing. So, uh, but it, this is affinity photo, right? So two seconds here. It, now that we're ready to paint or do something, if I click on the left-hand side, which I do like this interface better. I think it looks cooler. It's got color icons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I happen to like color. But when I click these tools, if you notice this bar here across the top, Photoshop calls it the options bar. Affinity calls it something different. I can't remember what it is, but what it is is I'm going to choose a tool here, and then this helps me control that tool that I chose. So whatever tool I click on, the options bar changes, and that's, again, how I can control it. So um, uh, if I go to Photoshop here, same thing. Choose a tool, and my options bar across the top is going to help me control. Every tool I choose, it, it goes to something different, right? So that that's a huge thing. Um but these programs are really, really similar. Uh, so um, I hope that answered your question, the differences between the two. And um, I don't know if you want me to show some cool stuff, change the color or yeah, whatever. I think it'd be great for, because um, I mean, there's important things that will be evergreen. Understanding the two is that um, something that we find um, people get a little bit stuck on is sometimes we'll ask them for, vectored artwork depending on the process is normally that other one to five color transfers yeah um because of more traditional process but um opening up a and that's why showing the outlines is a great thing because sometimes people put a rastered file or 
PNG into Illustrator and save it as oh, an EPS. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't then become a, a vectored artwork because of doing that. Exactly. So watch, I'll show you. Um, oh, let me open up a different file here uh, and then kind of show that, right? So I'm going to open this one and I'm going to just take a look. I'm gonna hide, let me hide these guides. Uh, so if I view my outline, there's my artwork, right? That's my yep. vectored lines. When you see that, you know you have um, a vector file. So now watch, if I go to file place, in Illustrator, uh, and I place this PNG, let's say. I'm gonna do like that. Oops, let me grab select, drag select all this. Not this one. I'll just push this up and kind of take a look, right? Yeah. So this um, looks exactly the same. Yeah. So there was, you would see, hey, I have, you know, here it is. And if I go to view my outlines now, um, see what happens here? Yep, you get the white box. Yeah, because that that is that X tells me that that is an image, PNG or TF or JPEG or something that's been placed in the Illustrator, which is my vector program, and is not a vector file. Um, and again, all you have to do is click it and move it like on top, and look at that. See that white box? Yeah. You know, it, it's definitely not. It looks the same, and you think, oh, I can just save it as e EPS or whatever it is, PDF, and I'm good to go. And you're not. You gotta retrace it or go over it, kind of thing. So yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely a big, big issue. And with the the affinity product, I assume uh, behaves in exactly the same way. I'm Man, it's super great. Yeah, and actually, it's got a. Watch, can we just like make an adjustment to a photo real quick? Yeah, please. I think that'd be really interesting. All right, so let's see. We're gonna photo correct. Let's do this mountain kayak because this is a tool that I like to like to use in Affinity Photo um, to get rid of this. Let's just say we want to get rid of this kayak or just have just a, the mountain thing, right? Yeah. So Affinity Photo has this brush down here. It's called in painting. If you click on it, it, this is the top list, right? So if you see, I don't know if you can see, there's a little triangle at the bottom right of the tools. Yeah. Um, that just has adds more tools nested underneath it, right? Just like Photoshop. It's exactly the same way. So here's a healing brush, the patch tool, blemish tool, things like that. Well, this in-painting tool is pretty slick. That's the one I like to use. So something like this, what I can do is I can just, if, I'm sorry, clicking my, my right bracket key is going to increase the size of my brush. Okay. The left bracket key is going to decrease the size of my brush, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just a quick tip. So when you're painting in something, that's a, it's a good way to really start moving pretty quickly. So uh, I'm just going to kind of come get started right up, right around here and just start painting. And I'm I'm using my brick, right? So I'm not using my pen that, that I like from my Wacom tablet here. But uh, just to get an idea, I'm just going to kind of do this and let it go, right? And then it's going to do its magic and it should work like that. Wow. Now, you see it pulled this little thing here. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a bird. Maybe it's something sitting in the water way over here, right? But it, it used it. So if I reduce my pen to and just click on it, it's just going to get rid of it that way. Um, pretty slick. So uh, let's see. So would that work if you if someone was getting some photos printed at transfers and they had a, a random person Absolutely. in the background, they could That's get rid of it do easily it. that way? Yep. So I'm going to do the same image, and I'll show you a way that Photoshop would work. Now, Photoshop does not have an in-painting brush, which is – I really enjoy it because you actually can paint over things and stuff. So 
what I'm going to do here in, in Photoshop, though, I'll zoom in a little bit and just grab the outline. So I have my lasso tool selected and mm -hmm. I'm just going to kind of click around, but I'm going to give Photoshop some space around it. Right. Something like this. You see that? Yeah. So just go around it like this and, and kind of come grab this shadow part in the water here. So uh, something like that. So now I'll do this and zoom out. So now if I go to the edit menu, come down to fill, uh, I'll get this window. And as long as your content aware is sitting in there, if I hit OK, then it's going to run its magic and do its thing. Right. So yep. kind of the same thing. Now, it still has those two little, I don't know, like I said, buoys or birds or whatever. So if I come over here and get the clone stamp tool um, and just kind of I have to, oops, I have to hold my option key and say, hey, choose pixels from here and just kind of do that. And then or I can come in here and just use the. Um, there's other tools. Let's see if I can remember where they are. <laughs> you think I know where they are? I'm only use photo. Oh, here it is. Hello. Uh, here's a spot healing brush, for instance, right? So I'm going to make my brush size a little bit larger and just kind of click over it and do it like that. So it's the closest thing to the end painting that you can do. I use it very sparingly, though, because if, like, if I were to use it like I did the end painting, I don't think it would have showed up. As yeah. well, let's do a file revert and kind of just show real quick uh, what I'm talking about. So the spot healing brush, right? This is done for spot stuff, like little things. I don't think it's going to work well here. Um, kind of looks like an in painting thing, maybe, right? But I, I don't know if it's going to work. But you can always find out and just go with it and see what happens. Yeah, um, looks pretty cruddy, right? So it doesn't yeah. work. Obviously, those are the two techniques I would use in painting and affinity and uh, content aware here in Photoshop. Yeah. So thinking about um, those that are perhaps a bit more established, it might have been, they might have had a print shop, say three, four, five, maybe even 10 years. Uh, what, what would you say is common mistakes that you see people making, even, even once they've been doing it for a little while that you think don't, you always like, don't do that. Stop doing that. Uh, or you wish you could, um, shake them and tell them to do something a bit differently with when they're doing artwork. <laughs> Two things. My, my go-to immediately would be if you're going to create vector artwork, right? Give it something of interest. So if you're going to put just three big letters or a word and it's just going to be, you know, solid flat color, add a gradient to it, put a texture in it because it really helps the finished process. No matter how you decorate it, it just gives your eye something to do and it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um, and the next thing would be if you don't print a square, nobody wants a square or circle design complete on a shirt. If you got a circle image and it's got a design going on, typically they'll put some type across the, you know, above and below the circle, maybe things like that to kind of break it up and make it sort of go into the shirt. So that would be you know, the two things that right off the top of my head. Squares mm -hmm. can be really problematic. Like you, you literally see this, the solid square at the top. If you put it on that garment, and I, I've been printing, screen printing since the 80s, and I can't put a shirt on and print straight to save my life. <laughs> every time I load something, it's going to come out crooked, right? Uh, same thing with a transfer. I can measure that thing and do this and do that, and everything looks good, and I swear there's a fan underneath my heat press or something. As I lay it down, 
it moves <laughs> and it's crooked, right? So it just seems to be my thing. I just suck at it, but I create the artwork pretty well on the front end. I'll get somebody else to smash it down. <laughs> I think it happens to all of us though. You you could even our printers that do like hundreds or thousands of shirt a day or a week. I think there's always going to be a certain percentage that come sure. out wonky. It's just inevitable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So stay away from squares. It's a big one. So I think Molly's got some pre-prepared questions from our I actually customers. don't. Okay. No, we didn't actually have any artwork okay. questions from Sorry. the box. Fair enough. Okay. Cut, cut. I'm going to wave so we can cut that <laughs> bit out. Um, <laughs> um, so I think we'll, we'll probably just wrap it up there, Dane, because we've done yep. a good amount for the podcast. But I think that was really interesting because we just wanted to kind of, as much as anything, it was the interesting part of hearing your backstory as well as the actual design thing. So I'll just... Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just going to give it a quick wrap up. So I'll not wave again. So you can try and yeah. find this. I think you, to be oh, fair, the main, the main issues that we have are the transparency boxes of vectors. They are the yeah. two things that our customers do all the yeah, time. It's, it's a big, it, it's, to be honest. Yep. Happens always. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks very much for showing that, Dane. And we're going to um, wrap up the podcast here because um, we're almost at the end of our time. But we really want to say thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit more about your backstory, about how you sure. got started in the industry, um, and just kind of some of those techniques that seem so simple, but they can save people so much time and get that just to get that better product from their business. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and if anyone would like to know more about artworking, they'd like to get some hold of some great artwork that's been pre-prepared, then do go and check out um, greatdanegraphics.com um, because they have some great tutorials, some great artwork. Um, and Dane has done some great tutorials previously where he shows you how to manipulate those artworks. So they're not just finished artwork. You just, you just get the file and you just have to print it as is. There's lots of really cool things you can do to turn that artwork into your own and make some really interesting products for your clients. So I do recommend going and check out his website. Um, and if you happen to be in the US and you're going to a show where he's going to be, yeah. sign up for one of his classes because you're, um, you're bound to get something really valuable from it. Um, and just for anyone that's thinking about starting a business, as we've discussed today, the, the barriers to entry across all elements of the business of having a print shop, artworking, through to heat printing are just minimal these days. Um, and so much of the transfer technology has improved in the last two to three years that there's no compromise on this fantastic artwork that you're creating either now, which I think is um, a really great thing as well. So it means if once you have that vision for your artwork, you can really bring it to reality now. Um, so we really do appreciate you taking the time for us, Dane. Um, Thanks for having me. That's okay. Thank you very much, Molly, for joining. No problem. I learned a lot. Thank yeah. you, Dane. Artwork has <laughs> oh, never really been one of my strong suits. I'm much more um, video-based. So yeah. Premiere Pro, any day. But Photoshop and Illustrator, not so much. <laughs> so I definitely felt like I learned a lot today. Awesome. I need to sit on one of your Premiere Pro ones then. That'll work oh, for me. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do, we'll do a swap. <laughs> <laughs> that works. All right, great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate That's it. all right. No worries. Um, Always fun. And we'll be, we'll be back again next week for another great episode. Uh, so don't forget to subscribe and like this content for more videos like this.